Hello and welcome back to Tuesday at Dubs's. Thanks everyone for getting in touch as always and sharing your thoughts and opinions. Best place to do so, comments section below. And if you've got a longer story, maybe with some pictures, you can get in touch via email, hi at tuesdayatdobbs.com. And I try and share as many pictures as possible on the Insta page as well, tuesday underscore at underscore Dobbs. Apologies for, for not always replying to the comments and also the emails you send in. I read through every single one of them on a weekly basis, but I am very sorry that I don't manage to reply to all of them. But please do carry on getting in touch because every comment, every story that you send in, it's hugely appreciated and it is instrumental. It's completely essential for making these weekly episodes, so please do carry on to do so, and it's massively appreciated. I'll tell you what we'll begin with today. Let's see what you're up to. What kind of bikes do you ride, in what countries, and what kind of riding do you like to do? We'll begin with Rex. Freddie, this, and I'll put pictures up as I go through a few of your stories, what bikes you ride and how you like to do it. Freddie, this is my setup for a long weekend camping. I use two small pannier bags, a small top bag, and strapped to my tent, sorry, and strapped my tent and compact chair behind it. I went to Grand Teton National Park in May and had to be prepared for any and all weather, so I had layers for cold weather as well as gear for warm. I had cooking gear, cooking fuel, food, a water bag, a one-man tent, and a sleeping pad. The great American Outdoors Rex, that looks glorious. Moving on to Chris. Freddie, my name's Chris. I'm 23 years old and I'm bike mad. My current stable, Chris, this is absolutely incredible for a stable at 23 years old. My current stable includes a Royal Enfield Classic 500, which has seen, which has seen some off-roading, and a BSA Bantam D14 as well as an interpreter. I'm guessing, Chris, that's autocorrect and that means interceptor because I did have a Google. I thought, am I being stupid? It's for a bike called the interpreter. So I did a quick Google. There is no bike called the interpreter. That would be too weird. So I'm guessing you mean interceptor, which has just come back from the North Coast 500. I'm looking to do my direct access course and I need a comfortable bike easy to manage and reliable, but I'm not too keen on the BMW GS range. What do you think I should look at? Chris, there are, for me, if I were in your position, I can see you like the classic bikes and you want something maybe with a bigger engine that you can do some touring on. So it has to, in my eyes for you, for you to be happy with it, it should still keep a level of that, that retro style and flair, but with a bigger engine. If I were you, I'd be looking at two bikes for your longer trips. I'd be looking at a Bonneville T120, because if you put a screen on it and hard panniers, that's a seriously good touring bike. And the final one I mention often, take a look, Chris, Motoguzzi V85TT. Maybe the best looking, in my eyes, probably the best looking adventure bike. Let me know what you go for. Incredible selection for a 23-year-old to have such, in my eyes, fine taste in bikes. I move on. Freddie, good morning. Me and my brother have, not so, recently acquired a couple of BMW R1200Cs, La Negra and La Rubia. 
I have La Rubia set back on the road since three days ago. It crashed in Tenerife a year ago and the owner was selling it in parts. As you can see, La Negra has got Gran Canaria's number plates on, which is the island where we both live and ride. Jose, I've never been over to Gran Canaria, but Tenerife is riding heaven. It is still by far the best place I've ever ridden in my life. So I can imagine Grand Canaria with your own version of the Grand Canyon, I think someone's told me, right in the middle of the island. It must be heaven there. La Rubia came from Tenerife, I continue. Pictured is my first ride after the restoration process and the ITV inspection to make sure it's all road legal. To be honest, I'd be happy with any other bike as well, but this particular model brings me some kind of extra satisfaction. It is simply beautiful. Jose, to see two BMW R1200Cs whizzing around the Grand Canarian countryside must be an astonishingly rare sight. I'd love to know how many of those are actually on the island. It cannot be more than 10, cannot be. Moving on to Brian, Freddie. Greetings again from Portland, Oregon. I just changed the oil in my 2018 Royal Enfield Classic 500 while following along the instructions of the Haynes Manual. I threw in a pic of my 2022 Moto Guzzi Centenario model because, or sorry, as I just adore it and love showing it off. I'm doing my longest ride to date next week, roughly 350 miles, riding from Portland, Oregon to Bend and back while exploring national forests, mountain ranges, and even desert-like locations. On to JB. Here's a rare one for you all. Let me know if you've ever heard of this or you knew it existed. Apologies. Somehow it's September and we always get this in the UK. We get an Indian summer, which comes along right at the end of summer. And it's going to be 28 degrees or so in about two days time, which is incredible. It's about the best summer period, this time coming up now, that we've had all year. I'm not complaining, of course, it's glorious. It's just quite warm. JB, Freddie, here is the new bike. It's another Honda CB1100RS, but get ready for this. But this time it is the 5.4 edition. This was a factory supplied special edition only sold in the UK and customized by the well-known G. Willison of 5.4 Motorcycles. It was offered only around 2019 to 2021 in the UK and phased out in early 2021 due to the Euro 5 emissions regulations. You would buy it direct from Honda and it would have Honda's full warranty support. Each bike is numbered with an enamel badge on the tail. So mine is number 11 of 54 and I have to say, it's an awesome thing. I've popped 300-ish miles on it already since acquiring it just over a week ago after an epic 200-mile trip to Carlisle through the Delvine Pass and back through the border hills in biblical weather stopping at a Buddhist retreat south of Peebles, JB Scotland. JB, it's beautiful. Moving on. Good morning, Freddie. I'm Duncan, a biker of 20 years, and I'm an expat from Birmingham, England, and I now reside in Birmingham, Alabama. 
I have purchased a Mint 2008 BMW R1200GS, 19,000 miles on the clock, full service history, $8,000. And we recently purchased my wife, a Honda Shadow 750cc, £2,300, translated to US dollars which is a 2003 model with just 17,000 miles on the clock. The interesting thing is that biking over here in the US or in Alabama is cheap. In Alabama, there are no MOTs, that's no annual checks at all, or no emissions checks, and the road tax, called a tag over there, for a year to legally ride your bike, I'll put it into pounds sterling, £9.44 a year. That is all it costs me to keep a motorcycle on the road per year. Fuel is also very cheap. We're three hours from the infamous Tale of the Dragon bike road in Tennessee, and just a four-hour ride, uh, sorry, and just a four-hour ride from Florida to the Gulf Coast. It's a far cry from biking, uh, from riding my bikes back in the UK for many years in the cold and rain, which oddly enough, I always enjoyed. I also keep up my English heritage by owning a 2018 Triumph Bobber. It gets all the looks and photos at bike meets, as Triumphs are still an exotic novelty in the Harley-dominated South. You must have, Duncan, done that on purpose. Relocate from Birmingham, England to Birmingham, Alabama. It must be on purpose. Moving on, again to Georgia, or to the USA, this time in Georgia. Freddie, I've got a 2012 Suzuki V-Strom 650 and a 2000 model BMW R1100R. Both perfect in their own ways. The V-Strom, $3,900 with 7,000 miles on the clock. Now it's on 45,000 miles after five years and the BMW, two and a half thousand US dollars. Scott in Athens, Georgia, USA. God, that, I need to Google this, Scott. That is a huge amount of bike for the money for that BMW. Incredible. I love this one. Freddie, my wife, Julie, and I are both avid Vespa riders. Oh, this is brilliant. Take a look at these pics. We have a small collection, including some classic two-strokes, but our go-to scooters for longer rides and tours are the GTS 300s. Modern, liquid-cooled, fuel-injected four-strokes. A lot of people, Andy and Julie, a lot of people praise these 300cc Vespers. Over the last three summers, I continue, we have completed the North Coast 500 in Scotland in 2021, been to a European Vespa rally near Porto last year, and this June took a 3,000-mile trip through the Alps to Vespa Alp days in Zell am See, Austria, and then Vespa World Days in Interlagen, Switzerland, visiting Lake Garda in between. Virtually no motorways were used. We chose to follow the back roads through the towns and villages and enjoy the, uh, sorry, and enjoy the journey as much as the destination. We still covered as much as 350 kilometers some days, but at a relaxed pace, taking time for coffee stops and lunch. The Vespers always attract attention when we make stops for fuel, etc., particularly when people realize where they've come from. In fact, you can check them out here. Our trips and other days are documented on our fledgling YouTube channel, Vespa 
adventures. Andy and Julie. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I love listening and hearing to adventures like that. Just to know that you can do it on anything. You can make any bike an adventure bike. Moving on to Radu, Freddie. I've dreamed of having a motorcycle for more than three years, but because of financial and time resources, I've postponed the decision of taking my motorcycle license and purchasing a road companion. However, I've recently decided upon the Royal Enfield GT650 Continental in British Racing Green. Best colour, in my opinion. I'm extremely satisfied with my purchase for riding it mostly on the weekends, one to two hour distance trips and inside the city. Radu Romania, brilliant. Next up, dear Freddy, here we go, the final one. Dear Freddy, my long awaited Honda CL500 has recently arrived at my Honda dealer. I know for many, it will probably be uninteresting, but for me, it's a universe of joy. I got the email from the dealer that it had arrived. I drove to the dealer with my girlfriend, nervous and nauseous with excitement. I'm so incredibly happy. Geordie, the dealer's dog, lovingly stood by me while I waited for the okay from the credit bank. The moment I saw my bike for the first time was just incredible and overwhelming. Sven, Sweden. Sven, happy riding. I'm going to move on now to your thoughts. There are a few interesting general thoughts that I wanted to group into this little section. I'll begin with Clive. Freddie, BMW, like Triumph, can only dream of reliability of the big four Japanese makers. They are around the level of Harley-Davidson and will only beat the Italian bikes. The high mileage on these bikes is more to do with their type than the make. Big detuned tours will always go on and on and on. I was chatting to a chap with an old Honda 650F the other day. He actually wanted it to break down so he could finally replace it. Okay, Clive, let's have a look at this. Right, I wanted to have a bit of fun here. So just before this podcast, I went on to Auto Trader. I kept the motorcycle brand and the motorcycle model blank. I didn't specify anything at all apart from one thing. All I wanted to see were motorbikes that had over 100,000 miles on the clock. And there are five such motorbikes at time of doing this podcast, Monday the 4th of September. Five bikes over 100,000 miles. I have gone onto the government website to make sure that I can check that the mileage is backed up and it is true. So the best of my knowledge, all five of these are correct. I've discounted any with typos. There is just one brand of bike that makes up all five of these 100k bikes. Just one brand. Can you guess what it is? Ducati. No, I'm joking, it's not Ducati, it's Honda. Honda make up every single one of the five bikes. Get ready for this. Shall I shock you first or last? No, 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 I'll shock you last. Bike number one, Honda Pan-European. These are the exact picks of the bikes. Honda Pan-European ST 1300. 113,000 miles on the clock. So many people say this bike is completely unkillable 
quarter of a million miles plus these can do. Next up, Honda Goldwing GL1200, 100,000 miles on the clock. Next up, Honda Goldwing GL1800, 131,000 miles on the clock. Next up, Honda Goldwing GL1500, 113,000 miles on the clock. You know what's interesting about this? Yes, Goldwing Pan-European, exactly like Clive said, said, the big engine bikes just go on and on. Here we've got the most recent three Honda Goldwings. We've got the 1800cc version, we've got the 1500cc version, and we've got the 1200cc version. It shows that Honda have been making reliable bikes, and we all know it but for such a long, prolonged, extended period of time. There's no flash in the pan here. You know, that model's good, but you want to avoid this one or that one. This is every single model reliable. And let me move on to the last one. The last of the five Hondas to have done over 100,000 miles. And I checked this one. I promise you it is correct. I checked the old MOTs online. This is a Honda SH125 a 125cc bike that I think lives in London. It's probably been a, a courier bike and it's done 115,000 miles from a 125cc. Absolutely phenomenal. I'll move on, but Honda, we all knew it. They're amazing. Moving on to Jed. Freddie, who actually bothers to change their bike clock and move it back an hour in autumn and forward in spring? I just cannot be bothered to get out my manual, spend two hours working out the settings, and then correct all those settings I've accidentally corrupted. I dare not risk it. Suffice to say, I'm looking forward to my bike's clock being accurate for six months over winter. Jed, I'm the same. It's, it's pathetic, isn't it? The little Fiat outside. That's, it, I'm so pathetic actually, it won't even tell the time. It says 0000 and it's been flashing for about four months, begging me to set the time for it. It's actually flashing me to, to shout, please set the time, and I still can't even be bothered doing it. I get in the car, I know it needs doing, and I always think, next time maybe I'll do it. And it does get me thinking. It's a really good point, Jed, because all of these things that you can get on bikes, whether you want to set up your own aggression setting or suspension settings, I've never, with any bike I've ever tested, had any interest to do anything else apart from maybe press rain mode. I've got zero interest in going into all of the technicalities and setting up suspension and X and Y and aggression. I just cannot be bothered with it. I remember actually when I had my old, my old Jaguar XK, lovely Grand Tourer car, and it had flappy panels, pa flappy panels, flappy paddles on either side of the steering wheel to change gear. And when I bought it, I thought, oh, this is incredible. This car will be in, what do you call it, semi-auto all the time, and I'll be blipping the, the paddles all the time to change gear. You know how many times I did it? Once, and I then couldn't be bothered. I just left it in auto. There are so many of these little, well, a clock's not a gimmick, but I'm just kind of pushing it a bit more. There are so many of these things for bikes now coming out. And probably for most people, they can't even be bothered to change the clock, if you're anything like me. Yet, we're getting more and more options. And I just wonder how many people actually use it. How many people can be bothered to play around with the computer on their bikes? 
I welcome anyone's thoughts on that. Moving on to Jab Jab. The problem that we are all facing with regards to parts availability is only block capitals only because of just-in-time inventory. It added profitability as companies didn't have to store parts anymore, which is expensive, and instead just order the parts as needed. This works for an assembly line, but if all of the manufacturers goes toward, oh sorry, if all of the manufacturing goes toward new bikes, there's obviously nothing left for people that already own their bikes. My wife's 2021 Triumph Bonneville T120 is an example. I have to just say, Jab Jab and everyone, I don't specifically read out bad feedback for Triumph. I know it sometimes looks like I do. For one, I love Triumph, and for two, I try and keep this as broad as possible. I would never try and make one brand look worse than it is, but I do get quite a lot of negative-ish Triumph customer service messaging or comments or stories, so it's really interesting. I'm gonna continue with this. My wife's 2021 T120 Bonneville is an example. A small piece of the rear brake disassembled and we are three weeks of summer waiting for the part. That is, wait for it, back ordered. I never thought that my choice of bike might come down to parts availability. If everyone sent an email to Triumph and said, this, this is my last Triumph unless you can tell me Triumph has a reasonable amount of inventoried repair parts. I'm a capitalist, but methinks we have gone just too far. Jab, jab, I know. Ah, uh, it breaks my heart, but you're right. You know, this isn't even difficult. It's surely the exact same principle at a supermarket. And I used to work at a supermarket. You can see when stock levels are getting low, and this was even 20 years ago. I mean, this, this technology has been around for decades where you can see exact stock levels. Surely every single motorcycle manufacturer can see, ah, cylinder-based gaskets. We're getting down to our last 150 units. Now we need to make another batch of 2,000 of them to make sure. And then there's a red flash off going off here. We're running out of brake pads. Let's quickly replenish the stock. Is it, is it difficult to do that? I, I don't know why we're in this situation. It clearly doesn't work, Jab Jab, you're right. It does not work the way it is, not even remotely close. Bit of consumer advice here from John. Freddie, there are a lot of crap scissor jacks around but this one is the business uh, search on ebay for this brand it holds up my harley davidson no problem at all vevor vivor motorcycle scissor jack can lift 1100 pounds so i'll just put a pic of that up here highly rated from john good motorcycle lift from vivor or vevor thank you john moving on we bike Actually, I didn't realize this. I was sent over this, this WeBike link last week and then the person that sent it to me, apologies, I forgot your name. They said, sorry, Freddie, it does actually come in English, this website, so you don't need to translate to Jap from Japanese to English. And I thought I was being quite clever managing to translate a web page, but it turns out that's perfectly normal and almost everyone knows how to do it. 
Daniel replies to me, extra, extra, websites have a translation function. Sorry, Freddie, couldn't resist. Thank you, Daniel. Let me carry on because so many people got in touch about WeBike to say that it's a superb website and a real lifesaver for looking after and maintaining your Japanese bike. So I wanted to share some thoughts from a few of you. This is from David. Freddie, I have used WeBike to buy a side stand for my Honda Fireblade. Even with the shipping, it's two thirds the price of the UK. You're cutting out the markup from Honda UK who source everything through the EU and you're avoiding their markup too. This from Billingdon, sorry, Billington. WeBike's awesome. I ordered a genuine Honda 12 volt plug for my new Transalp and it arrived in Australia in five days. The local Honda dealer here couldn't get them for two months. Barry continues, I can vouch for the WeBike website. They sent me a genuine Honda center stand with all the fixings for 89 English pounds, 50 cheaper than any UK supplier. It was top quality. And on to Ardex, finally, that's Japan for you in a nutshell. My last orders came with a handwritten thank you note and a small origami crane. Brilliant, brilliant. Moving on to the Fiat Panda of motorcycles now. This is for Yuri, our Dutch rider friend who is looking for a simple workhorse of a bike. No need for any more power than let's say 50 to 60 horsepower, comfortable for two people. I suggested Suzuki V-Strom 650, Honda NC750X and Honda Transalp. From these three bikes, unanimous for the Transalp. This is really interesting. Transalp, unanimous, everyone said yes, perfect. Most people said the NC750 is a good shout, but, but there is one very expensive job where you have to take the entire engine off and that would be over a thousand pound bill, so be careful. And for the Suzuki V-Strom, quite a few people said actually, they rate the Kawasaki Versus as better. So here are a few of your thoughts. From TX8, Freddy, try the Kawasaki 650 Versus. Next, Shane. The Versus 650 is well worth a look for our Dutch friend too. Team Tempest, Versus over the V-Strom any day. Peter, Freddy, I recommend Jerry takes a look at the 2008 onwards BMW F650GS that's fitted with the 800cc twin. Same horsepower as the V-Strom 650, but lighter in weight, super reliable, handles impeccably, very economic or very economical, and comes with the BMW build quality. Anthony, NC750. The seat is rock hard. Honda Transalp 650, brilliant bike. I did two and a half thousand miles around Europe on it with my then girlfriend, fully loaded. I did 50,000 miles on it, but better than that for practicality is the Honda Doville. It's amazing. Used one as a courier and clocked up 150,000 miles, never missed a beat. And finally, from Elliot, bike suggestion for our Dutch friend, Triumph Tiger 800, either the XR or the XC variant. I had the pleasure of owning one of these, the XC model, for three years, and it was 
an absolute workhorse. Gentle power delivery, but enough power to have a bit of fun on. High seating position, giving excellent visibility ahead, and wider handlebars that allow for easy maneuverability. Don't be put off by the size of the bike. It is remarkably easy to handle through traffic, was always reliable for me, and I'd imagine would be the perfect bike for taking a pillion as well. Currently looks like you can pick up any year up to 2015 for less than 5k. Excellent machine and an all-round perfect do-it-all bike. Okay. Okay. Elliot, I'm going to trust you here. And I'm going to use this as the bike of the week to wrap it up. Because that 5k price tag, Elliot, you mentioned, that looks very appealing for someone looking for an adventure bike. So I went on to Auto Trader and I could see that they come in at four grand. Take an 11 year old Triumph Tiger 800 and you can get it for four grand. But, but, what if I go onto Facebook Marketplace and I tried to find one from a private seller? What can I find? Oh, I've got a treat. Take a look at this if you're looking for a cheap, and this is now, this isn't just good value, this is cheap. Triumph Tiger 800, listen to this one. And bear in mind, this is not the exception here. I found, or I found a handful of Triumph Tiger 800s for under 3,700 pounds. But this takes the gold medal for price and value. 2012 Triumph Tiger 800, 3,000 pounds. It was reduced from 4,200. You know, this shows how much you've got to push with private sellers, especially on Facebook Marketplace. Because the sellers reduced it 4,200 to 3,000 pounds. It is a bike that comes in white. It's got three or oh, 3,000 miles. That would be too cheap. 30,000 miles on the clock. But this is a really genuine seller. I'm going to put the pics up as I discuss this. I'll read the blurb. This was my first bike after passing my test and it has been absolutely brilliant. Never misses a beat and what a first bike. The Tiger 800 is reliable, well balanced, not too heavy, has excellent riding position and comes with all the panniers that cost over 800 pounds alone. Since I bought this in 2020, I have had it serviced at Thunder Road twice with no expense spared with a major service costing over £440 on top of a new chain, sprockets, wheel bearings, clutch handle and cable and both tyres in 2022 and having done only 200 miles since. What a bike this is. The bike has three small issues as shown. A small rip on the seat, the pannier bars are rusted but that doesn't affect the usage and the rear hand foot peg doesn't stay up without assistance. Other than that, I'll be sorry to see her go. I've bought an Africa Twin to replace it only three months ago, but have decided to sell as uh, too many bikes and I don't need the Tiger. These bikes really are superb. Someone grab that if you're looking for a great value bike. To get so much bike, still very modern, for that price is, is exceptional. And I'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and watching this week's episode. Have a brilliant week. I'll speak to you all in the next one.